This episode of the Sunspots Comics Podcast is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Cryptid Zoo. Cryptid Zoo is a t-shirt line uniquely infused with augmented reality and inspired by cryptozoology figures like Bigfoot. It is designed by artist and owner Julian Meyer, and check out the amazing unique shirt designs at cryptidzoo.com. And don't forget to use the promo code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you will get 25% off your shirts. Again, that's www.cryptidzoo.com. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics Town Top of the morning, afternoon, and evening to you. Welcome. You are listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 89, covering the comics that I bought and read that came out on Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, January 11th. This particular podcast is a well-buttered English muffin loaded with comic book nooks and crannies. I'm your comic bookaholic host, Chris LaTorre. Thank you so much for listening in on the Sunspots Comics Podcast, where I recommend to you an amazing list of comic books to read every single week. Maybe you're new to the comic book world, maybe you're a veteran like me that's read since the dawn of time, and you just want to know what the best stuff is so it can save you some time and some cash. Well, that's what the Sunspots Comics Podcast is for. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Xbox Live at Sunspots Comics, and check out our YouTube page, which has just started, but there'll be more stuff coming soon, youtube.com slash tophelat, T-O-P-H-E-E-L-A-T. Two thank yous, of course. One to Nick Papa George for making our theme song. It's fantastic. Please check him out at facebook.com slash Music. Also, thank you to my son, Justin Jables Latori for making our Sunspots Comics blog. It is at blog.sunspotscomics.com. Follow him on Instagram at justsunspots. His latest blog, he's actually uh, written his five top movies of 2016. I haven't read it yet. But I'll be loading it tonight, so please check it out. I'm really excited to read it, and so should you. It's pretty good. Again, that's at blog.sunspotscomics.com. And also, a quick announcement of a brand new fun freebie giveaway. That's right, free stuff. Everybody likes that. In the matter of free digital comic book codes. So, Marvel Comics and a few others will always give you the free comic book codes, and I never use them. Uh, They are wasted on me. I prefer paper comics. So I saw this guy on Instagram that's just giving those codes away to people. So I'm going to copy him and do the very same thing. I'm just going to post them on Instagram, at Sunspots Comics. And it's first come, first serve. So I'm going to post the digital comic book code there and a little picture showing you what free comic book it is. And just the first person that grabs it wins. And if you get one, all I ask is just, you know, please follow us on Sunspots Comics on everything and tell a friend. So come and get them very, very soon to Instagram. I will be posting free digital comic book codes, so check it out. That's the announcement there. So let's get into the Sunspots Comics podcast, issue number 89, with some stuff floating around in my nerd brain. That's right. It's loaded. 
jam-packed. The first thing I'm really excited about is my Zombie Destroyer's glasses from Sire's Crown Eyewear. I can't wait to get them and look at them and put them on my eyeballs and face. Uh, check them out at, at sireseyewear.com, and it's going to be a pair of custom-designed by me and him, CJ, at Sire's. The first ever Zombie Destroyer's glasses. I can't wait. We've taken some of Jordan Hudson's beautiful art of my comic book that I'm creating called Zombie Destroyers, and we've put them on a pair of eyewear. So I can't wait. It's uh, it's white with just black lining, uh, just black and white. So very simple, but I can't wait. The other thing that I've uh, bought that I just can't wait to get is the I'm very much into just fiending for right now, right now like a crack addict. Uh, the Star Wars Elite Series and Diecast Metal. Maybe you've seen these. They're those Disney Store exclusives. Well, on the Disney Store, which is normally just so expensive and they never really have anything good that's the up to 50%. I hate that up to. And normally they're, they're, the metal ones are 27 bucks each. So I don't even touch buying them on the DisneyStore.com. But they've actually had a great sale where they were 15 bucks each and there was a code for an extra 20% off. So the sale is still going on now. Uh, for while supplies last, of course. And uh, as the English say, I got the whole lot. And my picks were C-3PO, Chirrut Imway. Uh, I got a Force Awakens Stormtrooper, a Rogue One Stormtrooper, Captain Phasma. Gotta love all that chrome. A Rogue One Imperial Death Trooper. So I just got them all at 15 bucks each plus free shipping for over 75 bucks, And that extra code for the extra 20% off. So they came out to like 11 or 12 bucks each, which was great after tax when they're normally $27. So I can't wait to get them. Check them out. The entire Disney uh, exclusive, the Star Wars Series Elite diecast metal line. They're like five to seven inches tall and they're phenomenal. DisneyStore.com while supplies last. Check it out. The sale is going on right now. And the next thing on my nerd brain is two random readings. I will uh, discuss these on a future podcast, but the one that I'm I'm excited to read the most is The Dark Knight, a true Batman story by Paul Dini. This is that autobiographical tale, that horrendous of true event that happened in his life of this Batman writer. And uh, thanks again, Dad, by the way, for buying me that as a Christmas gift. And I will be reading it with Zombie Destroyer's artist Jordan Hudson on a future podcast. So he's already read it. He keeps telling me to read it constantly and that he's he wants to read it again, which rereading a comic, something that qualifies as a reread is a big deal in comics, right? You know that. Time is limited. Money is short. And there's so much new content. But he's read it more than once and he keeps pushing me to read it so Jordan I will read it and we'll have you on a future podcast where you and I can kind of break it down and discuss it maybe spoilerish free sort of discussion of that amazing book I can't wait to just totally dive into that's a dark knight a true batman story by Paul Dini check it out the art is phenomenal and the other thing that I'm randomly uh, just excited to read is the flash the Mark Wade collection I love all of his work uh, thank you by the way to Mr friend of the show Mr Mike Norris uh, for the Christmas gift, by the way. Thank you, Mike. But I will be reading that as well. Mark Wade's a phenomenal writer. And this DC collection is like 200, over 200 pages. And it's all of Mark Wade's run on The Flash. Which was heavy into the influence of the Flash TV show on the CW. So I cannot wait to dig into that. Also on my nerd lobes, uh, just a quick State of the Comic Book Union address for December 2016. This information, by the way, is provided to you by Comicron.com. Check it out. They're super good. All they do is catalog and show dollars and cents of how the comic book industry is doing. 
and the month of December is at over 45 million in total sales for December of 2016, and that is up 1.7 million dollars over last year. So a nice little increase, not by much. And the three top publishers of comic books for the month of December, 37% of the market share went to Marvel. Makes a lot of sense. 29 right on their heels is DC, and with almost 9% is Image Comics. So that's the breakdown. I actually noticed that the last few months, DC was number one uh, for a long while there, uh, for about six months, and then uh, Marvel just kind of just kind of popped them out there, which is which is interesting because you're normally DC is never even close to the number one spot, but uh, Marvel done did really well in December, so they were the top-selling publisher of comic books, and then the top five selling comic books themselves, the individual individual issues. Number five was Batman, which has been phenomenal. I can't recommend that even uh, to you enough. It's it's been absolutely amazing, and because it's bi-weekly, Batman was also number four, and number three was uh, The Dark Knight 3, The Master Race, the latest issue of that that just came out, which is great. Um, it was good, I'll say. And number two is one I have not read at all. It's The Inhumans vs. X-Men, number one. That was a big deal, and the number one selling comic book of December 2016 was DC Comics' Justice League vs. Suicide Squad, which has been a lot of fun. The art's been okay and good. And it's if you just want sort of a battle royale of two teams clashing together slash becoming a team at the end to fight a much larger Omega-level villain set, then Justice League vs. Suicide Squad is for you. But those were the five top-selling comic books. And a couple of just special mentions that were down below that that I read. Star Wars was in there at number seven. Uh, the Walking Dead was number 11. And uh, the going back a little further down, Flash is number 20. And the last sort of random pick special mention of something that I am really enjoying is The Clone Conspiracy. That's actually number 31 all the way down there. But that's just kind of a random smattering of some just some some honorable mentions that I wanted to notice of those top five. And the top graphic novel or comic book collection goes to Love is Love. That's that collaboration for for charity from IDW and DC Comics where they all the funds, all the money goes to the family of the victims of the nightclub shooting in Orlando, that Pulse nightclub. So very cool that it's the number one and it's selling well. It's 10 bucks, go get it. All the money goes to charity and it's all the top people in comics that you can ever think of, including the writer of the Harry Potter series, J.K. Rowling, are in there doing small little just sort of issuettes two or three pages, sometimes even only just one page, or just a piece of art with some poetry mixed in, just really all about love, and it's fantastic. I can't, uh, I tell you, I love it. I bought another copy just this last Wednesday to just give to a loved one. So I would recommend doing that. Grab a few when you're at a comic book shop and just give them to somebody you love. Easy to do, and plus the money goes to charity. So there you go. That's just the, uh, the quick state of the comic book union address for December 2016. Paper comics are doing fantastic, and they're always on the slow and steady rise. So uh, I definitely say go to a local comic book shop and support them. And the very last thing on my nerd brain, up in my nerd lobes, is that I myself am writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. Yes, I'm doing the writing, the coloring, the lettering, and my friend Jordan Hudson is doing his beautiful, phenomenal pencils and inks and art. Uh, please check out Jordan's Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art is beautiful. I say he's a little like Frank quietly uh, with less lines. And, and and it's just gorgeous, clean work. And he and you continue to sort of 
blow away my expectations, Jordan. So again, thank you as well for doing the art on the comic book Zombie Destroyers that I've created. And I've also got the website zombiedestroyers.com. So check it out. We posted four sample pages. No words yet. Um, but you can see just little sample pages at zombiedestroyers.com of the comic book that I'm creating. I hope to re release it sometime in Q1, maybe Q2, but we're shooting for quarter one sometime maybe before the end of March. And also, just a quick Zombie Destroyers update. We have hammered out the cover for issue number one, and it's glorious and beautiful. And because of that, I had to adjust some of the writing and adjust the page numbering a bit. And so it's actually looking like it's going to be 25 pages at the end of issue one, which is nice. You get a little bit more. Most comics are around 20 pages or so, so you get a smidge more. We might actually stretch it to 26, 27 pages if we do this sort of action two-page splash that I'm, that's been rolling around in my head. But I do have uh, pages 16 and 17. He's working on page 18, and I'm doing the final writing touches for pages 19 and 20. So we're, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. We are getting close to the end of issue one of the comic book that I'm creating called Zombie Destroyers. I can't believe we're doing it. I'm very humbled just to even say that out loud. It's still kind of weird. And also just a heads up that I have four interviews coming on the podcast here in our segment that we call Spotlighting. So if you yourself or someone you know is an independent comic book creator, we want to shed some sunshine, some sunshine on you, some Sunspots comics loving on you, and support those struggling creators like myself. And do what we can to help them to get their comic books out there. It's tough. It's not easy. So if you know someone that's a writer, an artist, a color, just send their review copy. Send their a link to their work to my email at chris at sunspotscomics.com. Or, of course, just message me on all the social media at sunspotscomics. I'm an independent comic book creator myself, and I want to do my part to help. So reach out to us, and we'll get you on our spotlighting segment. And those four coming up, thank you so much for your submissions. There's Marcassian Nasso. He does the Voracious comic from the Action Lab Danger Zone title. Uh, I have this publisher, this indie publisher called Mad Cave Studios that I'm going to be talking to a couple of the creators and owners. And Howard Shapiro, he is... Uh, blended the world together of comic books and hockey together, which I'll have him soon. We're just hammering out some of those schedules and details and when we're going to have them on a future podcast very soon. So so please tune in for that, and that's our spotlighting segment. Also, uh, let's get into now my favorite part of the comic book Sunspots comic book podcast, which is my comic book reviews and recommendations, where I pick my favorite comic books for New Comic Book Day Wednesday January 11th. And of course, before we get into that spoiler-ish alert, I don't really spoil them, honestly. The last couple of pages I leave alone. I don't try to cover every single talking point and interesting segment of each and every comic, but I do talk about it in a way to just entice you, to make you go out and inspire you to buy these comics at a local comic book shop right away. So at least they came out on Wednesday. They'll be in your shops. You can go check them out and grab them. Tell them Chris from Sunspots Comics sent you. And also, if you want to see just a sort of breakdown of everything that I'm reading, of all of my favorite picks since May of 2015, just go to sunspotscomics.com, click on the pull list to see my large, just updated 133 titles that I'm currently reading. Yes, that many. <laughs> also, click on Top Comic Books of the Week to see the, all of, of the past picks that I've picked, the top picks. They're all there, listed, cataloged, simplified, made super easy for you. On the website, I'm very proud of. Just check it out at sunspotscomics.com. And every single week, I pick an art winner and an artist cover winner. The artist winner this week, and it was a beautiful week of art. It just seemed to really stand out as some excellent art this week, was Phil Hester from the comic called Shipwreck, and it was issue number three. Shipwreck is written by Warren Ellis, and it's all drawn, colored, 
from artist Phil Hester. Check out his work. It's very much like Jay Lee to me. If you if you look up Jay Lee, his work is just very dark. It's really designed fundamentally on shadowing, and he does some just absolutely beautiful stuff here with greens and dark grays and blues and a very sort of dark noir feel. But the opening like sequence of this comic, there is zero dialogue. It's really just telling the story by some very interesting, unique art here. And he has a style where he really outlines very heavily a dark, very thick, wide black line, which gives this just very outlined effect, and it's very simple to read and understand everything that's happening in the story. And that also pairs very well in how he uses the facial features, because that outlining really just makes it stand out. But it is gorgeous. It is beautiful. Thank you, Phil Hester. Your art just stands out. And talk about a, just a plethora of colors in here. I mean, Phil Hester's color palette is just diverse. It's all over the place. I love the stuff that he does with blue and skulls and shadowing and sort of lightning and rain. It's You just want it on a poster. It is absolutely glorious to look at. So check out anything by Phil Hester, but especially Shipwreck. So he wins it. Art winner, hands down, easily. And the artist cover winner this week goes to Russell Dowderman for his Mighty Thor 15 cover. You have to look at this. It's like the perfect movie poster. I mean, it's just a rainbow of colors. Literally, the rainbow bridge is there. And it's as Guardians, and it's this, this new bad guy called the Guardian, or the Gladiator. And you have Thor, the Lady of, of Goddess of Thunder, and you have also Odinson there together. And it's just this beautiful swash of colors. And even the chrome effect of Lady Thor's helmet is just, it's just gorgeous. It's, it's lovely and it would make a beautiful piece of art for your wall. You should get it and put it on your wall. You'll be really happy with that. So that's the art cover winner, Russell Dowderman. Thank you so much. Mighty Thor 15, phenomenal. And the breakdown. So here we go. I actually purchased 21 comics this week and nine of them made it to the great ones recommendation list. And that's, uh, that's close to that 50% that I want to be at where they're all great because I only discuss the greats, not the goods. And it just makes me feel happy when more than 50% of them are on the great list. But we didn't quite make it there. New number ones this week, there were three. And actually only one of them made it to the great one list. And the one that made it is super, super good, which I'll discuss here in a second on the countdown. Okay, so this is my great ones list of comic books for new comic book day, January 11th. I consider these comic books to be the greatest of the great ones this week, and only the great ones make it to the Sunspots Comics recommendation list. So, here we go. Coming in at number nine from Image Comics is Spread, issue number 18. And Spread is written by Justin Jordan and art by John Bivens, also coloring by Philippe Sobrero. And this is a great new jumping on point if you're if you're kind of if you want something that's a little post-apocalyptic it very much is the world is being attacked by this strange blood virus this spread virus that's just it's like the venom symbiote in blood and it it can create a sort of animals and they and sometimes the animals have can sharpen and harden their their weaponry with this sort of symbiotic blood-like virus that's killing and destroying and taking people over and there's very few humans left because of this and this latest arc is introducing a new character that is, he's paragliding, he's, he's jumping out of a plane, he's, he's haloing out into almost space, into the inner atmosphere, the upper atmosphere, into, onto Earth. 
and he's just commandoed out. So he's an interesting character. He's not talking very much, but you're thinking he's just he's just laying out what he's thinking, and he has a mission, and that mission is to find the people that are involved with this baby, which is the primary story of Spread. This baby where the tears and saliva of the baby are, are destroying the spread virus. And he is on a mission to find that baby. And that's what is the core of this story. So you're introduced to him. He has a moment where he fights an actual spread virus monster that comes right at him. He has some tech hardware that can kind of destroy it or at least delay it where he can run and escape. And so he has some incendiary type stuff. Flames hurt it, much like the Venom symbiote. And it seems like Sonic Sound hurts it as well. So he has some some cool, you know, commando tech there. And then they kind of take a little flashback into when he's given his orders to find the child that could potentially save the world and, and kill the virus that's destroyed Earth. And so he's just hot on the hunt of our characters, of, of the guy that's, his name is Yes. He only says Yes, mostly. And he's kind of a samurai-wielding guy. And you have the um, the woman that hardly speaks, that has like a shaved head, and the baby. And they seem to always just be getting into trouble. It's one strange town after another, and they're just it's just this epic road trip. That's the core of this story. So, uh, new commando guy is hot on their trail. And that's a great place to jump on, is spread number 18. It's been really solid and good. So coming in at number eight is Green Valley, issue number four. This is from Image Comics. This is written by Max Landis. This is art by Giuseppe Camincoli, which I loved when he did Amazing Spider-Man. His art is phenomenal. Very chiseled effect. Very Everything has a very square jaw kind of feel to it. And he's just very tight with his lines. The art is gorgeous. Very super re realistic here. And this is kind of the, um, it's this, it's this four knights that are all kind of best friends that are, are on this, uh, on this, this trail to help this small town. The first sort of arc of the story was when they failed to protect their own town and the people they loved were all killed. And then they, at the end of that arc, they sort of just camped out in this cabin and really not knowing what to do. And their main primary leader, who's also the oldest of the group, was in that kind of praying for death mode. His loved one had been had been murdered uh, through these barbarians. They sort of left that arc alone, which I actually wanted a little more of it. That was one of my complaints. But this is kind of a, a great start to a new arc again, right here with Green Valley number four, in that they've decided to help this small nearby town fight this wizard. And this wizard seems to have some common paraphernalia with him like what seems like an iphone or some sort of time traveling tablet it reminds me of quantum leap the tv show <laughs> where he has this tablet and kind of pops in and out of time or something we haven't actually seen time travel but it kind of looks like that and they call him a wizard and he has some strange powers but this is sort of the gathering of the team back up to kind of getting themselves together here and that's what i like about it it has that just that team ensemble they've got some issues in the team but they're trying to pull it back together it's the primary old man and his secondary in command uh, that are having some sort of words here. Their conversation is great. It feels very real. And you can see both sides of it where they want to help this village, and yet the old man is like, why bother? Although he's this amazing fighter. So it's kind of like them trying to rally him up and get him involved because they know that with his help, he can basically defeat any monster, demon, etc. So that's kind of the core part of this is, hey, let's, you know, let's motivate him and get him on board so we can help this small town fight this strange and then later on there is an introduction to some monsters here i'll say monsters that were a little surprising so there's definitely some world mixing world mashing going on in this sort of fantasy genre comic and i'm loving it so green valley number four solid pick number eight 
So coming in at number seven is from Marvel Comics, Daredevil, issue number 15. This actually starts a, a new arc. It's like a, it's a new arc week. So far, the, these three have been a, a great new arc jumping on point. Even the, the issue itself, Daredevil on the cover says it's a number one. The seventh day starts now, so it's a new sort of arc. Great jumping on point. This is written by Charles Soule. This is new artist on Daredevil, Goran Suzuka. And so I was like, okay, here we go. We're going to see a new artist. I, I won't lie. My eyes rolled just a little bit. We still have color artist Matt Milla on this, who's doing a phenomenal job on colors. Very inspiring. It's gorgeous. And his color palette is kind of all over the place. That's what he's sort of adding. It's a little, a little different than what you're normally looking at for Daredevil. A lot of bright colors. But then he'll, he'll diversify and he'll mix it up and show Daredevil brooding, standing on a roof, of course. And, and there's rain and gargoyles. And it still has that very classic Daredevil look to it. But this is the aftermath of the previous arc. I don't want to say everything that happened there, but his sidekick, uh, Sam Chung, blind spot, has been injured in a way that's pretty messed up. And there's nothing Daredevil can do. He decides he wants to pay for everything, and there is an investigator there uh, who is sort of questioning his involvement with how blind spot got injured. But ultimately, he just says, "Look, I want to do what's right. This guy did some work for me. Sam Chung did." in our law office and I want to pay for all of his expenses and they explain it's going to be super expensive and the conversation they have right there is sort of very real there's a couple of nods to some some issues in our in our medical system Charles Soil Soul is a is a lawyer the the writer here so he's got a lot of experience and a lot a ton of things and that you feel that that element of realism here when Charles Soul is talking about how law affects the medical field and how the medical field and medical industry has some problems and it's a very realistic uh, conversation going on here which adds a lot of gravity and heaviness to his injury that he's in the hospital so What's going to happen to Blindspot? I love that he was the sidekick, but it looks like he's going to be parked for a little bit. And then Daredevil finds this, we've seen it in a ton of Marvel comics, this strange sort of hidden bar that constantly moves where all of these supervillains, mostly B, C, and D level supervillains, all gather in this one particular bar. Well, uh, Matt's disguised himself and he's actually hiring people there to hire some heavy hitters to come after Daredevil. So it's a, a cool way to sort of bring some heavy hitting bad guys to light. I thought, wow, great concept, very simple. And he's, he's throwing around a ton of cash, which uh, should inspire a ton of them, a ton of these supervillains to come after Daredevil. And they do. But I don't want to tell you all that happens there. And then there's an introduction to a brand new Inhuman, this uh, sort of old man who has a son that's in a wheelchair that's sitting in this New York park, this glorious day in New York, playing chess. And he is an Inhuman. You don't understand his powers, but he gets note, he gets word that there's some serious cash being thrown around and he decides to go after Daredevil. And you kind of immediately kind of have this feeling he's a throwaway bad guy. You don't understand what his powers are. But his motivation is to really help his son in a wheelchair. And they lost his wife and his son's mother just recently. And so they're trying to put their lives back together. And it's a little heartwarming, a little heartbreaking. But um, I loved those characters introduced there. And I don't want to tell you what happens to them. But that's, in a nutshell, what's going on with Daredevil. But great point to jump on because Blind Spot is parked. And there's a new character introduced that's an Inhuman. And, you know, Daredevil is hiring heavy hitters to come after him on purpose. So, and there's a, the last couple of pages is a very cliffhanger ending that was worth the wait and worth the money of this particular issue. So check out Daredevil 15. Great jumping on point. It's been phenomenal. 
Coming in at number six is from Image Comics, and it is Birthright, issue number 21. And Birthright is from Joshua Williamson. You may remember Joshua Williamson. He's writing, uh, he's doing some Star Wars work, some Flash work. He's, he's just doing a ton of great stuff right now. Joshua Williamson, fantastic writer. And the artist has been one and the same. No no guest artist on this. It's been Andre Bresson. And he is always consistent. He's very clean lines. You can easily tell what's going on. There's never an overcomplicated panel to where you can't kind of understand what's happening. Very clear storytelling in his art. Uh, love it. Andre Bresson. But this particular issue <clears throat> excuse me, is a little bit of a flashback to the character that is uh, our main character's uh, love interest that is she she can fly she's kind of a uh, a hawk woman kind of character and this goes back to her childhood explaining uh, why uh, and how she met uh, Mikey our main character who was taken from our realm and drawn into this strange fantasy world to be the chosen one to fight the evil bad guy lore that's this insane crazy wizard and this shows her her parents and what happens to them and how they don't make it in this fantasy world and how Lore's uh, demon monsters attack their village. And yeah, it shows her as a young child along this this just wasteland of beings in this in the aftermath of this giant war. And it's a devastating, beautiful single play, uh, page splash of this this just this war and that just ravaged through this land, but it's it's gorgeous. Dark skies, a lot of blood just thrown across the valley. But man, epic looking war scene. So it gives you some some really needed insight to her character because I, I would definitely say she was one that wasn't really defined very well. You just knew she was pregnant. She wasn't sure if she could have a baby in our realm or if she must go back to her fantasy realm. And uh, will how will the child be born? Will it have powers? Will it make it? Will it be able to live in their atmosphere? There's lots of questions there. And she's chasing Mikey, but she hasn't found Mikey yet. She's getting closer, I think, but... We see this flashback of of how this this man Rook went across this war torn land and picked up all the sort of orphans that were laid across the land, and just takes them all and decides to sort of raise them in this cave. And he's got like twelve little babies and little kids and toddlers, where he's doing his best to raise them. So a great little backstory to this character. I thought it was just well done, and it was interesting. And Rook really, it adds some depth to the character Rook, who also trains Mikey in the fantasy land. And, and they show him sort of this panorama on this cave wall. And the picture looks like Mikey, and that shows that he is the chosen one. You know, you're always getting stories that say it is the destiny. It's, uh, it's written in the books. It's, uh, you know, story says and lore goes and whatnot. But they show a wall where Mikey's face is on it. And it, it clearly kind of states he's the chosen one to defeat lore. So it shows that it's his destiny. And I like that because, you know, a lot of times you just get reference and they show an actual wall. And there he is and Mikey's face is on it. So it, there, there's the prophecy. It's very clear. <laughs> so I like that. They give some background in when they met as children. So that it just kind of goes from from when she's a child to when she's a toddler to when she's preteen and meets Mikey. And her trying to train Mikey is uh, hilarious because he... Uh, you finally see here that he comes from a very humble beginnings of his training. He turns out to be this amazing warrior, this very Conan-like warrior that also has sort of magic ability. But man, rough start. <laughs> but 
I loved it. It really added depth to the whole story. It made it more interesting. It made it um, more uh, realistic, honestly, because they they maybe in the past they didn't lay out uh, characters so much, and I really enjoy that character development, and that's what it did here. So it made it to the list. Fantastic. Great comic. Birthright 21. Go get it. And coming in at number five is the art winner of the week. It's Shipwreck, number three. And Shipwreck is the comic from, this is an indie title, which I love it. And uh, Shipwreck is written by Warren Ellis and art by Phil Nestor. And let me tell you, like I said before about the art, it is beautiful. Like I said, he lives in the world of shadows. It's dark, it's brooding, but it's uh, just a multitude of colors. He mixes that so well. And uh, it's um, it's beautiful and gorgeous. Check it out. It's easily, easily the art winner of the week. Shipwreck number three. And this comes from, by the way, Aftershock Comics. And so it's, it can be a little tough to get Aftershock stuff. But, uh, you know, it's, if you have to, get it digitally. It's worth it because it's Warren Ellis. I mean, come on. But this is a um, beautiful piece of work. This is kind of a very strange story, which I still, you don't really completely understand what's happening. But definitely this uh, professor, uh, and I believe his name is Shipwreck, is has in sort of like this, the best way to describe it is like a parallel dimension. But he was involved with like NASA, and he was in some sort of experiment, but he has sort of a Swiss cheese memory. And he's now seeing a lot of these rock formations. And there's this sort of strange guy that visits him that defines what a lot of these rock formations are throughout history and with in a very scientific term. And it's interesting. It's very neat. I want to look up these rock formations because it's just um, a very ode to sort of um, the uh, where they're almost pyramids and the flat, long rocks are laid you know, with a very large base and getting smaller up to the top like these rock pyramids. And so there's a lot of kind of interesting backstory here to that and it just adds to what it to the what's going on of the story here and it does make it a little confusing but they finally lay out some backstory here of the science the science team that he was involved with and what their their mission was was to find parallel earths in the multiverse and he is introduced to a corpse here of someone that he remembers so his, his memory is starting to come back a little bit it's this aubrey may captain janice and the Aubrey May of, she's a captain of the Janus Project, excuse me. And he's involved with this project. And is he still on Earth or did his, when they show the lab in this giant experimental boom tube, this blue lightning boom tube, did that thing explode? Are they still on Earth? It's still a mystery that's happening, but they gave a little backstory here. And uh, she was someone that he knew. And now she's just skull and bones. Uh, and so... Yeah, what happened? Where is he? Did he travel through time? She was a young woman. So just sort of more questions. He walks into this strange hotel, and the woman there says that if she can sort of tell him something she doesn't know, he'll get the room for free. So it's another strange little conversation that doesn't feel of this earth or like a dream, but I'm starting to piece together here that it must be this sort of multiverse planet, this multiverse universe that he's in. And because though even the way they communicate is a little different and off the beaten path, um, or maybe he's dead. I mean, who knows? But it's it's going in a very interesting direction, and he lays out like some science here in this great conversation, and uh, I really really enjoyed it. He talks about how there is a moon in our atmosphere, in our solar system, 
that has uh, more of a living condition minus some cyanide in the atmosphere uh, that we would potentially be able to live on with the right breathing work or uh, something or our, our our DNA slightly altered to handle that cyanide and methane gas and it was just very like loaded in science and I loved it and it was interesting and he breaks it down and gives her something she hasn't heard so he gets a free room from that but the mystery continues uh, Dr. Shipwreck is is stranded uh, or is he and his memory isn't there and what's going to happen great great story I'm um, really enjoying Shipwreck check it out and coming in at number four is the new number one that made it to the great list. And it's from Image Comics, and it's God Country, number one. And God Country starts off with some some scripture, so it gets a little serious there and sets a tone. You're like, okay, is this going to have some sort of religious in- implication? Is it going to be in the realm of the comic that I love, God Damned? Which I kind of hoped so, but I, it, it really doesn't. But the two-page epic layout here after that little piece of scripture is showing this strange storm that's coming into somewhere in the Midwest, into this little sort of very dust-barren kind of farm, if you will. And it shows this man who's with his wife and young daughter that are have received a call from the local sheriff that his father is uh, battling Alzheimer's and is having another sort of episode and something happened involving someone in town and the police had to be called in and he doesn't remember who he is or where he is and this this hits really hard it sets a sort of real tone here of something that people have to deal with with this horrible disease and it's this little daughter um, the grandfather her grandfather this man that uh, is the one that uh, was acting out because of his Alzheimer's sort of attacks verbally the young girl his young grad- granddaughter not knowing who she is and uses some horrible profanity and says he's going to kill her and and the mother's like, I'm out of here. I know he's your dad, but I can't have our, our daughter around this stuff. And you sort of understand what she's saying, and it's heartbreaking. And he's like, well, he's my dad, and I can't leave him. And so it's 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 just kind of a, a heartbreaking moment, but sets a real interesting, serious tone. And then it sort of makes this switch. The storm comes into town, and then you see this sort of monster. That's all I want to tell you, because I don't want to really define it. I want you to be surprised by it. But a monster that comes into town through this storm starts to wreak havoc. And it's sort of Wizard of Oz feeling at a moment there. It's like, are the houses going to start spinning away and someone's going to be clicking their heels together? But it's very much around this sort of this hur- hurricane, this, this, this storm, this twister that's, that's just ripping through town and carrying with it a very interestingly drawn and unique monster. Love it. So it, it makes this switch, and that's all I want to tell you, because there is kind of a twist and kind of a really interesting, jaw-dropping couple of last three or four pages. But it's unique. It's, uh, it does have some otherworldliness to it. it uh, this laying down the scripture and having that Alzheimer moment with, uh, with the, the man that's just struggling to keep his dad together and... Um, Grandpa's got some problems, yes, but something happens to him as well through this storm that's really interesting and unique. But added this number one to the pull list for sure. Get it, it's a new number one, just came out, so you can join in on the fun right from the beginning. But God Country, number one. Oh, by the way, Team of, this is uh, written by uh, Donnie Cates and art by Jeff Shaw, and gotta give props to colors. The art, by the way, seems very kind of Sean Murphy to me. It feels a little like Sean Murphy. Look up his stuff, it's good. But uh, with 
a little uh, less scratchiness and it's very clean coloring is great he loves to live in the world of blue which I love blue it's my favorite color but it has a very Wizard of Oz like look and feel with this strange town that is very somewhere in the Midwest and very Dust Bowl kind of truck stop sort of town but God Country very interesting very unique great little twist and get it the new number one that that definitely was one of the greats but now with all of that so those out of the way here we go into the top three now so this is the best of the best the top three comic books of the week so here we go coming in at number three was from image comics southern bastards number 15 or 16 and man it's been a while since we've had a southern bastards this feels like their return to the original arc i mean we had some some guest artists and there was a time where jason latour who does the art switched with jason aaron to do the writing and they and so there was a little bit of a uh, i don't know they were very good in there but not great this kind of returns the comic to greatness and this sort of goes back to that primary storyline of coach boss who has killed uh, the man in the middle of town in front of everyone earl tubb and his daughter uh, who was a, um, a like a green beret or she was in the marines is back from from desert storm or doing tours in in afghanistan to avenge her father's death and this sort of sort of focuses a little on that but it goes into where the coach is a, on a losing streak here he's not doing really well coaching the local town which the town sort of centers and lives and friday night lights is their thing the running rebs is what this this town just lives breathes dies bleeds for and they're they've lost a few games here and coach boss is in sort of uh he he has to sort of do something that he doesn't normally do which is cheat i mean uh he is sort of the mob boss in the area of organized crime and he kills people in the streets but for the most part you haven't really seen him cheat in high school football he really hasn't find found a way well he's desperate for a win here and crosses over to this other town that introduces a character that looks just like Burt Reynolds. I mean, he just so looks like him. And he has this pet white monkey that wears uh, the jersey of the of the team that he's the coach of. So an interesting new coach is introduced into this to sort of be, I hope, uh, a, a very unique and interesting and worthwhile opponent to Coach Boss. I hope that he not only beats him in football, but is someone that goes after him and they maybe have a battle it just feels right but the guy's got a cadillac he's got it there even in the games the the white monkey drives into the games driving the white cadillac and so it's an interesting hilarious new character that's brought here but coach boss decides to go after the the opposing team's running back this young kid i mean he's like 16 years old and he decides to go after him and put him down and injure him or kill him you're not quite sure what his intentions are at first so that he can't destroy the running rebs so you're not on board with this you're rooting for this kid and for his family and it's such a mind-blowing scene here he comes into town with that that piece of wood trunk sort of two by four ish thing that was earl earl tubbs that he murdered earl tubbs with he brings it into this house and just walks in to their home to injure this young boy so that it, he doesn't play he's not wearing a mask he just sort of comes right in and says yeah it's me i'm coach boss and you can't play in the next game because you're playing us and i'm just like wow like i mean jason aaron really surprised me here with that and that's uh, really all i want to discuss because there's a lot of interesting things here that happen towards the end you gotta read it 
it's it's just so insanely intense. I mean, you've got this brand new character. He's got the white monkey that drives his Cadillac. The the opposing town, which uh, I think they're called the Lightning, and this this amazing football player young man that su will surprise you. His family will surprise you, and what they do with a man that comes into their home looking to injure this young kid. So crazy, crazy, crazy. And then it's very clear that the coach of the Lightning, I'll call him. Uh, is not uh, on the up and up. <laughs> he very much is a reflection of Coach Boss as well. It's like crazy that these coaches in these in this strange, you know, southern town are uh, the mob bosses and the criminal leader in the town, along with being the primary coach of for Friday Night Lights. It's crazy. So great story, interesting and and solid, well paced story, and beautiful art by Jason Latour. Uh, I mean, it's top-notch stuff. He's returned to form. You can tell he had time with this. How he does some of the smoke effect, how he does the clouds, how the monkey looks so very animal accurate, and man, just top-notch. A+. Southern Bastards. Definitely top three worthy. So get Southern Bastards 16. It also feels like sort of a new arc jumping on point with the, you know, introduction to the new coach in the opposing town. But Get it, Southern Bastards. I know it's on issue 16, and it's probably taken three years to get here. <laughs> there, there, it's definitely not a on-time delivery, but worth it. Go get it. It's phenomenal. So coming in at number two, the number two pick of the week is Detective Comics. This Detective Batman issue number 948 from DC Comics, and this is right now written by James Atinian the Fourth, who you gotta love, James Tinian the Fourth. He's been doing a great job on. Batman and it just seems to come out every three days <laughs> it's just coming out a lot but this is a uh, new artist Ben Oliver and he has Batwoman down he draws her so beautifully the cover here is gorgeous I definitely would give this the second place art winner of the week it was uh, behind Phil Nestor's shipwreck but it's gorgeous there's a, a very awkward very heartbreaking scene of Cassandra speaking to Colonel Kane who's now in prison, who is a captive from trying to run the organization he called the Colony, uh, where he wanted to take over and wipe out the Bat Team ultimately to be this new sort of governmental regime in Gotham. And thank goodness that didn't work, but there are still agents of the Colony out there, and he seems to be sort of controlling the Colony from prison. So uh, interesting how things are still happening, even though the Colony leader, Colonel Kane, is down. Stuff's still going on, but... This just shows, I mean, her father's in prison. They did have, they have sort of a little heartwarming flashback here. And they have like a kind of warm conversation where, you know, Batwoman is there trying to sort of talk some sense into her father. And it's just heartbreaking. It also shows sort of the flashback goes into kind of Batwoman's early training and how they wanted to mimic Batman. But then they reached a point where that was done. They're like, okay, we're done mimicking Batman now we train in our own ways. And that's very much what he infused into his militant group called the Colony. So I love this flashback. The facial expressions here are A+. You you get a little heartbroken from Cassandra looking at her father in prison. And it was so well done. And Batman is just striking in this. I love it. There's This is not dialogue heavy. It's very, very light on the dialogue. But this also has a little bit of the fallout of that giant monster that was going through Gotham and how its carcass is causing sort of genetic anomalies in small like rats and and seagulls and pigeons that are eating this strange monster carcass. So there is a, a sort of science team on the case here. You're introduced to them and they feel very, 
very dastardly, like they have some sort of ulterior motive. But uh, you get to meet this science team who's had um, some run-ins with, with Batman and with Batwoman, so they sort of know her, and she hasn't uh, been the most honest and, and forthcoming of information, is what they're basically stating here, but... She's involved in this, uh, in this cleanup, in this, and you, you just gotta know she's on her way to making, like, a, another monster army or something for their own purpose or for reselling to the black market. It just feels bad, but I love the conversation there because it, it's subtle, and it, it just gives you that ominous, the looming feel of this science organization that's going to be doing bad stuff very soon, <laughs> but... Yes, this, uh, the last few, I don't want to explain uh, the last few pages because it's a great little thing here. They introduce someone is all I want to tell you, but it goes back to sort of the colony still doing stuff, but it's at the heart of it, it's really that father and daughter conversation between Cassandra and Colonel Kane that's a bit heartbreaking and sad, and this kind of, um, I, I, I am really excited to see where this goes. It doesn't even feel like it's bi-weekly because it does come out every two weeks. And they're keeping a consistent art team, so at least it's not that jarring to where it really feels like you're reading something else. It goes together quite well. Nice fitting of the team of artists, because I want to say they at least have four or five different artists drawing Batman and Detective. And, of course, um, the All-Star Batman. Seems the three solid hot titles right now. But this is the number one of the Batman uh, lines and storylines and comics. So get Detective Batman. It's been phenomenal. Definitely the second place art winner, like I said. But... The creme de la creme, the number one this week, is Mighty Thor. And Mighty Thor is issue number 15. This is a Marvel comic, of course. This is beautifully, this is the art cover winner, by the way, from a gorgeous title from Russell Dowderman. This is written by Jason Aaron as well. Yes, Mr. Southern Bastards writer, uh, my favorite writer of 2016. And it's gorgeous. The color arting here by Matthew Wilson is beautiful. I mean, it's a rainbow of bright colors, primary bright colors. That is absolutely gorgeous. But the cover, like I said, is just needs, it's like movie, it's like a movie art poster that's gorgeous. Like it could be a perfect movie poster at the theaters uh, for uh, something coming out. But it's um, super, it's, it's a little on the cartoony side, but the coloring of it is gorgeous. It really is striking and stands out. It's just a beautiful rainbow bridge of colors, but you got to check it out. But this, uh, I gotta read you the blurb, because this is a great encapsulation of where they are here. So, Malaketh, King of the Dark Eves, uh, Elves, laid siege to Alfheim, the realm of the Light Elves, and took its queen as its captive bride. A curtain of fear fell across Yardrables, <laughs> say that five times fast, branches. But with the help of the reformed League of Realms, Thor struck a blow to Malaketh's forces, liberating Queen Elsa. But even as he retreated, Malaketh cursed Thor and her compatriots, promising that the War of the Realms has just begun. Now, as Malaketh plans his next campaign, another threat is making its way towards Asgardia. And this is called the Asgard Shi'ar War Part 1, a day which will live in immortal infamy. But you have Hemdal in the opening sequence here, uh, who is... Uh, who is doing his thing. He's 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 posted outside the Rainbow Bridge, and he is uh, challenged by this this character called the Gladiator. I've seen him in a bunch of things. Uh, I'm not really totally familiar with him, but striking look to him. He can fly. He has this crazy black mohawk, and he's like kind of all red and black. But uh, love the color effect. He has kind of sort of a symbol on his chest, so it's just this classic, like golden age feel and look to this uh, bad guy Gladiator. So. Gorgeous, and the use of paneling here 
is phenomenal and it's just so out of the galaxy feel and look I mean they're fighting each other with magic Hemdal has his sword this guy has sort of a heat vision heat ray that's following him Hemdal sort of casting spells as well with like this this green and pink sort of uh, essence that's flying out of his hands like it's just beautiful the opening action sequence here you just never want it to end it's beautiful to look at and then they slow things down and go to the uh, residential halls of Asgardia where Jane Foster, who is still battling cancer, she's still on chemotherapy, she looks horrible, she looks like she weighs about 50 pounds, and there is the brother of, of Odin that uh, comes to her and is basically telling her that she's pitiful and that she needs to just leave Asgard, like there's no place for a, like a lowly human, also one that's just dying of a sickness because they're immortal, he's immortal, so he just has this condescending tone and this, this horrifyingly, realistically insulting conversation telling her of how little important she is, he just belittles her, but she's strong, she sort of stands her ground even though she weighs all of 50 pounds and looks like the a, a small breeze could just knock her over and uh, hats off to the art here they they really it breaks your heart to look at her she definitely looks um you know bewildered and tired and and someone that's battling the ugliness of cancer and he doesn't care he just doesn't care he's just like uh He's all, when you're holed, I have to read this, when you are holed up inside your quarters for days on end, vomiting like a drunken dwarf, and she's like, it's been roughly a week, but if you'll forgive me if I don't feel like taking chemotherapy with the god of fear, or talking chemotherapy with the god of fear, now if you'll excuse me, and he's like, it's been nine days, like he just doesn't even care, they're arguing over how many days she's been sick, and that she's really not doing her part of being in the congressional sessions. And yeah, it's just messed up and it makes you angry and you're like, okay, I want, like, oh, she should just cast lightning on his forehead, like right there and just, just destroy him. But she holds it together and composes herself and it really adds depth to Jane Foster's character. She's, she's complex and she can handle herself in a conversation, no matter who they are, even if they are a god immortal of Asgard and uh, sends her packing. So I don't want to tell you every bit of the conversation, but it's great and yeah, it's uh, that it's verbal judo that's going on here and and who wins but yeah then she's like i need to hit something so she calls mjolnir and uh before she even calls mjolnir you see what happens to to hemdal and uh, the fight between him and gladiator so there's some stuff there i don't want to blow for you but man it's just good stuff and it's the it, again i guess that's the theme of this week is a uh, is the new story arcs, but right here is a brand new story arc because this is the beginning of this Asgardian Shi'ar war, and and there's some characters introduced here, like I said with Gladiator and a few more I won't mention, but it's great action. There is a short fight scene here with with Mjolnir and Gladiator and Lady Thor. It's it's good stuff, but it's the gathering too of the Ars Asgardian warriors, and they're all interesting characters within themselves, and I love their speech pattern, right? We've all heard it, but it's it's just so poignantly written. Um, it, you have to give hats off to Jason Aaron. He doesn't overdo with with their their style of speech in Asgard is in Asgard, but it's it's there. It's a tinge. It's a twinge, and it's enough to just have that otherworldly feel, and it really just takes you on this adventure, this otherworldly adventure into the heavens and gods but it's phenomenal i can't wait to read it i was maybe lingering on 
um, boy, this has just been good lately. But this just just slams the hammer down, <laughs> and uh, and reestablishes it as uh, yeah. Don't don't think this was just good, folks. This was great, and it definitely was. Mighty Thor, the number one pick, and the cover art winner, and the third place art winner. I'll give it, cause it was just gorgeous. But uh, Russell Downerman, he knows what he's doing. So there you go. There you have it. Those are my recommendations for this week. The new comic book day, January 11th. Please go to a local comic book shop and buy these immediately. Tell them that Chris from Sunspots Comics sent you. Yeah, they'll look at you funny, but so what? <laughs> and if you have questions, comments, or you want your own personal comic book recommendation, just email me directly to chris at sunspotscomics.com. If I choose your email and discuss it on a podcast, I will send you a comic book prize as a thank you from me. And don't forget, of course, to look at us at Sunspots Comics for free comic book digital codes. They'll be coming very soon. And also sign up for our newsletter. It's on sunspotscomics.com contact. And please tune in next week for the issue Mighty 90 of the podcast where I'm reading a respectable pull list of 19 comics next week. And there's actually fun to the, there's four new number ones coming out. So potentially 23 comics. And man, I'm seriously excited about some stuff coming out. Let's take a little quick pick in, uh, peek in there. Next week on January 18th, I've got Amazing Spider-Man. That's been great. The Clone Conspiracy has been really solid. Batman 15. Black Road is back. It's a new story arc right there with Black Road. I've been waiting for that to come back. It's finally ba uh, back, so that's good. The ending of uh, The Cage, issue number 404, is coming out. That's been phenomenal with, of course, Gendy Tartankovsky. I'm messing up his name. Uh, the From Who Did Samurai Jack and the Powerpuff Girls, etc. That's wrapping up. Cave Carson next week. Uh, Ether number three, which has been phenomenal. That image title, that strange, bizarre, otherworldly title. Killer Be Killed, to name a few. Anyway, ton of stuff coming out next week, so I'm hoping they all make the great list. But tune in to see what does in issue Mighty 90 next week, next Sunday. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. I hope you go buy all nine comics. And if you want to help us and do your part, just subscribe to us, of course, on everything at Sunspots Comics. And go to iTunes and give us a positive review with five stars. It really means a lot to me personally. And I will thank you personally on a future podcast if you write something, a nice little blurb, and give us five stars on iTunes. So thank you very much for listening. Please do what you do. Love what you love. Take care of yourself out there. Be nice to people. And, of course, don't forget... Be water, my friend. Be like water. Okay, see you later. Take it easy. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Comics now. Testing one, two, three, and then testing. It's the testing of Mighty Thor, Mighty Thor.